This episode of Weight Inclusive Innovators is brought to you by WIND, Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics. Is your five-year CEU cycle coming to an end? Are you tired of having to get so much of your continuing education from weight-centric trainings? Listen up because WIND has what you're looking for. Register now for the virtual WIND Symposium and access the webinars at the end of April. This is an accessible learning opportunity. Watch and listen from anywhere on your own time. You'll hear and learn from experts, activists, and educators about the future of weight-inclusive care and get to meet fellow weight-inclusive RDs. The Virtual WIND Symposium is in application for nine CEUs. Pair it with WIND's Foundation of Weight-Inclusive Care Workshop for over 20 CEUs total. Go to weightinclusivenutrition.com to get info about these events and more. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting about some of my favorite stuff to talk about. We're talking about eating the frog eating the damn frog, I should say, working when we don't fucking want to and leaning into grit. But before we dive into today's episode topic, let's check in with Morgan. Hello, Morgan. We want to hear your business highs and lows as usual. What's going on over there in España? In España. My high of the week is... I am fully booked with design clients until mid-June. Damn. Yeah, she is. I don't know what it is, but I am just feeling like feeling on my A game during the handful of discovery calls I've had here in Spain and just feel like the people that I've booked with are just like really freaking ideal clients to work with. And so that feels really good. I'm going to gently call you out because I hear you say, I don't know what it is. But, but it's, you're awesome at your job and you're a good designer and you're fun to work with. So of course people booked. I think I meant more so like, I feel more on my A game here in Spain on discovery calls than I do at home. Okay. 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 But thank you for that. I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, and my low of the week is more, a little bit more of a personal low Jessica, who has been with me here in Spain for the last three and a half weeks, flew home this morning. Ah, uh, what so, a great experience she got to have, though, being your intern in Spain. Like, how many yeah. other dietetic interns are going to be able to say that? Well, I probably will not be bringing any more interns to so zero. <laughs> so zero. Not that I, not that I wouldn't want to. It was just like, in, like circumstances of like I knew Jessica before this, and I traveled internationally with her before, so I felt very comfortable doing that. Um, it was great. It was great to have her. It wasn't. It's not like because of a bad experience. I just feel really lucky that I got to spend time with her. So that's kind of a bummer. And then, okay, this, this is, it's so different than the States. It is currently a holiday today. So for those who don't know, we're recording Thursday, April 6th, and Spain is a very Catholic country. And so Easter is this upcoming Sunday, which means tomorrow, Friday is Good Friday. And today, Thursday is Maundy Thursday, all related to kind of like the whole journey of Jesus dying and rising again. And love that I get to be here and experience this like culture because it's like, I'm not Catholic, but it's like, I know the stories. It's kind of in alignment with like my religion. And so it's really cool to get to experience this, but they take holidays so seriously here that I was like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a great day at my co-working space. I have so much to do feeling really inspired. Went to go book my co-working space. Everything is closed today and tomorrow because of the holiday, which is uh fine. And, and normally I'd be like, okay, can't go to the co-working space. Great. I'll go to a coffee shop. 
coffee shops also don't let you use your laptops on holidays as I learned what, two weeks ago when it was like randomly St. John, St. James, I don't know, one of those days. And they were like, it's a holiday. And even though it's Monday, like it's a holiday, so you can't work. Okay. So it's just on holidays. Coffee shops don't let you pull out your laptops. It's interesting. Most coffee shops have like one designated table that you can use your laptop on during the week, but all of the other tables have little things that say like, no work zone, no laptops, no tablets, something along those lines. They just have like one table in their whole coffee shop, but you cannot use that table to work on holidays and weekends because they want you to take time off, which equal parts love. Just wish I would have known about this. So I could have actually taken today (laughs) and tomorrow off and like observed the holiday instead of, I ended up going to Starbucks, which like I never go to Starbucks when I travel, but I ended up going to Starbucks because I knew that they wouldn't care if I used my laptop there. So that's where I worked from today. We also went to Starbucks in Costa Rica because we were desperate. Okay. That was that. Yes, that was, (laughs) we went to Taco Bell and Starbucks (laughs) because we were about to have a three hour drive in the middle of nowhere through the mountains and neither of us had eaten dinner. That was, that was needed. And we did try to go somewhere local. It just was a no-go. Oh yes. It was, was it like 10 PM in Costa Rica? We had no idea where we were. Cause we just, well, we knew where we were. We just didn't know the neighborhoods and we drove around right. and we were like, mm, it's really dark. And like, we don't know if we're, if this is okay. So Taco Bell, it was, and Starbucks, it was for our three hour drive to La Fortuna. With coffee is great. With coffee. Yes. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I'd like Starbucks isn't like a place that I would go just to like get my morning coffee when I'm traveling. No, Starbucks is trash. Their coffee sucks ass. I know. I will say they asked me if I wanted it para llevar or por aquí, which means to go or for here. And I told them I wanted it like to take there. And they gave it to me in a mug, like a like an actual mug. And oh, I was yay. like, Oh, I love this. This That's an elevated experience. Yeah, it was great. I love that. I don't know. This is a tangent for another day, but how has Starbucks not figured out how to be more sustainable yet? Dude. I feel like anytime I see trash, there's always a Starbucks cup or straw or like things that cannot be composted. And it makes me so annoyed knowing that people go to Starbucks for takeaway coffee Mm -hmm. and- yeah. Places so in place. Europe are doing it a little bit better. They have different types of recycling available inside of their Starbucks here. Europe does a lot of things better than the U S so we'll just leave it yes. at that. Facts. What about you? What were your highs and lows of the week? Hmm. Let's see. It has been a pretty busy, but nothing extravagant week over here. I'm getting ready to go to Mexico with my partner for eight days next week for a wedding slash vacation trip. So another wedding. Yes. A lot of, a lot of weddings. We're like in that age where everybody is getting married around us. So, I mean, I will go to Mexico anytime. So I am stoked. It's another year of three trips to Mexico for me, at least with, I was going to Mexico city with weight inclusive innovators. And then I went to Mexico last month and we're going this month and then uh, possibly the summer to Baja. Yes. Yes. With the van, which we are still four times. Four times in Mexico. It'll be at least, well, we're definitely going to go later this year as well. We just don't have it on the book. So anyway, love Mexico, love being able to go so much and going to have a great trip. But with that in mind, this week is super busy because I'm trying to wrap everything up before I go. So I'm really just head down, focused in on the work and I'm actually enjoying my last grad school class. So I'm going to say that's my high because I'm trying to soak it up now that the end is in sight. I turn everything in May 7th and I'm doing a research project on how leadership and different types of leadership can mitigate burnout in employees, which is so fucking relevant And so I'm deep into a literature review and it's really cool to read and it really solidifies me being in the correct space in my career and what my focuses are pivoting to, because I just found the research so interesting. And usually I'm like a child and like research, ew, boring. (laughs) And just the way that these papers are written and 
by thought leaders and by people who are leadership nerds as well. I'm just like, oh my God, I could read these papers all day and I'm excited to summarize them and critique them. And so it's been a really nice, refreshing experience, even though it's still a lot of work right now. I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying this and this is relevant, which has been my theme in most of grad school. But this finishing off with this project feels very full circle. So I'm enjoying that. I'm going to say it's a high and I'm going to keep grinding it out until a freaking month from today. Pretty much. I'm going to be done, which is just pretty much bananas. My low is a continued humming in the back of my mind that I'm not showing up for my group practice as much as I want to be. And I've allowed my team, my team knows, and they know I'm in my last push of grad school and wrapping up things with clients, but I just feel so behind on everything. And I'm really looking forward to having a little bit of a break. I'm going to take two weeks off in May. Like I said, I know before I was going to take my trip to Latin America and that plan has just shifted because we're getting the van and everything. And so that's going to be a next year thing, fingers crossed, but I'm going to take two full weeks off of work. And whether that's when I go to Baja or on another trip in the van, hopefully we have the van by then that's going to be awesome. Um, And then after that, I'm excited to focus in on my consulting and nourish Colorado and reorient myself and really show up for my team. So I'm feeling the impact over the last couple of years, how I've slowly been kind of trickling away from nourished momentarily because I needed to, but it's just like, oh man, now I feel the distance that I've created and I want to come back to it, which I think is just a normal cycle that group practice owners have to go through with pivoting their role, taking on different things and then reorienting. So I'm in that process of I'm gearing up in a very slow hum to reorient, but it is a low because I miss my team. I miss interacting with them as much as I used to. And I don't, I write a story that they think that I'm not a good leader, which is my own shit because everyone's like, it's fucking fine. We know you're busy. You're good. Well, and I think like going through that too, like also allows you to have a lot of compassion for them when they're going through like a busier than usual time period as well. 1000%. Yes. And I know my, you know, everybody goes through their own personal life stuff and everybody goes through their, like, I'm overwhelmed stuff. I need some space stuff. I'm burnt out or like, I need more supervision stuff. Like it's all normal. And I also say all this too, because I know a lot of group practice owners listen to the pod as well. Like I'm helping people through these phases in their own practices too, where I have people who are just at so much overwhelm because they've been wearing too many hats for too long and we're working on pivoting them. And so when you have been in that space of too many hats, you need to step away and then come Mm -hmm. back and reclaim your new relationship with your practice. So I'm going through my own evolution of that right now. Yeah. And so I just, I hope my team really does understand and doesn't think like I'm a bad leader. So that's my low. Those are my anxious thoughts. But yeah, that's a, that's a good way to think of it because I, yeah, like getting to take those two weeks off after graduation, right around the time, it'll be like what done seeing clients done with school, two weeks off, come back. I know we've had some things on our docket as well that we're like, we just got to wait till <laughs> yep. June. Yeah. Let you get through <laughs> that. And then also, I mean, on my end too, like get back from Spain and not be overwhelmed with that. And, um, yep. We're excited. We're coasting a little bit at we as well. We've got our second round of accountability club up and going with our awesome peeps. We got some new members and we really want to elevate the experience and continue to improve that offering. And so we're coasting a bit for the next month or so, and then we're going to circle back, but don't worry, we're still going to be here and we're live and well in the accountability club. Um, We just want to do better and make everything super valuable and helpful. You ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. Okay. I cannot tell you how many frogs I've fucking eaten in my life. And I know more than face because I need to explain. Literally threw this on the podcast schedule. I'm like, what the fuck does it mean to eat a frog other than like being in Paris and being served, not escargot, that's snail. How do you say frog in French? I it's forgot. a French food. You eat frogs. Yeah. Frog legs. France. It has a name. 
in, in French, obviously. Yes. Yes. And so whenever I heard this, I was like taken aback to the time that I was a uh, little teenager in Paris being encouraged to eat a frog leg. And it just grossed me out. And I had forgotten about that and pushed that way back in my mind. And then we look at the schedule and it's like eating the frog. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> okay. Listen, so I, <laughs> there are so many metaphors with frogs. I feel like, you know, the, the one with like a pot of boiling water. And if you put the frog in there before the water starts to boil, like the frog isn't going to notice until it's too late. The water's already boiled, right? Cause it takes time. Your body adjusts. And it's kind of the metaphor of sometimes you're in stuff and you don't realize how bad it is until it's already bad because it's kind of accumulating over time. And so that's, that's not the metaphor we're talking about today, but that it's another frog metaphor. We're a fan of frog metaphors over here, apparently at the weight inclusive innovators podcast, eating the frog means identifying one challenging task. The thing you really don't fucking want to do that sucks ass for a lot of it's probably calling insurance <laughs> and you just fucking do it. You do it first thing in the morning. You do it before you check your email. You do it before you even think about anything else with work, because it's just been looming in the back burner. You've been needing to get it done. It's going to suck whether you do it now or later, and you're just going to rip off the bandaid and do it. You're just doing so are it. we saying, are we saying that like the act of eating a frog is the challenging task Yep. and you just have to you, fucking do it? Yep. You eat the frog first. Okay. So let's say, and, and again, this is one framework for your tasks and how to navigate your day. Let's say you have to call insurance and you're like, fuck you, Blue Cross Blue Shield. This is not my own stuff at all. <laughs> um, I don't want to spend an hour on the phone with you. This is going to blow so bad. And I have all these other micro tasks that seem more fun. Like I'm going to go order snacks for Costco. That's an easy to do list to check off. It's like, no, no, you can easily do those things. You do those things all the time. You need to call insurance first, get that out of the way. And then you are going to feel so accomplished and good that it's done that anything else you check off the rest of the day is just a freaking extra bonus. Feels good. Easy. You're in your flow. You can't eat the frog every day. I believe because that's too exhausting. But when you have a massive ass frog that you need to eat, this is when this philosophy can be really helpful. Of like, I'm just going to eat the frog. I'm going to fucking do it. It makes sense. And I've, and I, I've heard that framework. I've just never heard it called eating the frog of like doing your hardest task first. Oh yeah. Cause it's, I mean, imagine eating a frog that like we said, unless it's cooked in a great way and like very delicious delicacy. Like if you just pick up a frog off the ground and you're like, fuck, I have to eat this. That's gross. Oh, it's like no. slimy. This Mm-mm, is sad. Nope. I won't talk Sorry about it. if that's really sad. We're going to change the subject now, but like, that's hard, right? Yes. And I, and I feel like it kind of is like a, a little bit more of an intense version of like your big three, right? Like not for the week, but like having a big three every day and not moving on to any other tasks until you get those big three done. And then any tasks beyond those are just like bonus. Maybe it's big three frogs. (laughs) eating three frogs, not just one. Yeah, no. And that's, I think that's the difference as well. Cause big three, we, we learn and taper ourselves of like, okay, these are three tasks that are going to take me all day. And I know I can do these. Awesome. The frog is like, fuck, this might take me a half day. Like I might have to clear my schedule to do this whole thing. And this has to be the focus of today. And I really don't want to do it. That's the difference. Big three. We know we can get at least two of three done if not all three, the third one might be a stretch, but we can do it. The frog. Well, and it doesn't have to be, I don't think all three of them have to be frogs, right? Like I think you could have like a frog and then two other things that need to get done that, you know, are like quicker to do's or anything like that. Like at least that's how I usually structure my big three Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I know that feels really doable. And then having a like really hard first task, like really hard tasks that I do first thing of the day. And then the other two things on my list are like, send this email with someone's welcome contract. And I like, know that's going to like not take a lot of time. And it's like a little mini reward for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay. Tell us about a frog you've eaten recently. Like what is the biggest juiciest frog that you've didn't fucking want to do? And you finally did it. 
And then I'll stop saying things like juicy frogs that you juicy and frog in the same sentence. (laughs) Ooh, there are, I'm not even going to talk about one that I just did, that I just did. I'm going to have, I'm going to talk about one that I have to do before the beginning of the week. Let's hear it. I have three websites that I've designed that I owe tutorial videos on how to go in and edit like the back end of it to send to clients who owns those websites. And for some reason, I just like, they just like take, they don't even, I don't even know if they take that long. Each one's usually about 10 minutes. But it's like equal parts wanting to be so thorough about it. So they like feel really confident that they can go in and make changes themselves. Um, and also being nervous that I'm going to like forget things. And I'm like, okay, well, then like, what's even the point of recording the video if I'm going to forget to include things? And you would think by now I have literally recorded at least 16, 17. I've, I've recorded at least 15 of these videos with the same platform. Like they all should have the same structure. I should have just written out the structure behind all of them. And I just, I just keep putting them off. They've been put off for so long, but I just like need to get them done. So we're going to, we're going to put all three of those into one frog because I just need to get them all done at the same time. Ooh. And you could even add another layer of like, do I want to make myself a guide for what I need to include in these videos to use for future times that I do this, which is an even bigger frog of like, I know this is going to make my life easier. And right now it's less work to just get these done, but like, fuck, is this the frog that I actually need to tackle and make this thing? And do I want to? Yep. Nailed it. It's been sitting on my past due task list in Asana for, I'm embarrassed to say this two months now. Woo. Sorry. Don't be embarrassed. It's real. It is real. It's really real. I just, I don't know what it is about getting them done. It's a fucking frog. I want to do it. I don't want to do it. Anyway, what about you? Insurance? (laughs) No, thankfully we have a department that deals with that 95% of the time now. And I only have to be involved 5%. Shout out to Stacy. My most recent frog that I procrastinated for fucking ever was developing our new PTO policy because frogs just open a can of worms. Like whenever I was looking at our new PTO policy, basically I wanted to make it to where people who were seeing more clients got more PTO and got it faster. But the can of worms is, well, PTO costs money double for a group practice because not only does it pay the clinician to be off, so that's money out of the practice, but the clinician's not there seeing clients. So they're not bringing in revenue for that time. And so it really has to be calculated into total compensation. And then it's looking at total compensation, looking where our current numbers are. And then it opens up like, well, shit, we're having cash flow issues still. So like, how does that flow into things? When is that going to get better? And so it's really hard to solidify a new PTO policy and really put it into paper to give to my team and have them sign off on with all these variable factors that I could not figure out yet. And what I basically needed was a half day to be like, okay, we're just going to dive into all of this. And we're also going to pay somebody and consult with the HR specialist to make sure I'm doing this ethically and getting this done. So it really was like a massive project. And I just kept being like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this, but I dealt with it and we're rolling it out and I just got to see what happens. Um, I actually just wrapped up consulting about it this morning and am rolling it out this month with the team. So it's kind of still in pro- this fucking frog is still in process, but the, the frog that I had to eat and just get done was the actually writing out of the policy, making sure the wording was correct and like having something on paper, which we now do. Yay. Yay. Bye frog. Bye frog. I don't know if you feel this way. I don't think there's these like big frogs every single week of entrepreneurship. No, there's a difference between the like big task of like eating the frog versus just like having things on your to-do list and not feeling super motivated to do them. Oof. I feel like that is a weekly thing that happens in entrepreneurship. Like I know I'm not always stoked to do the work. Many times I'm not. A lot of the time I am. Many times I'm not. And there's so many things that contribute to that feeling. 
so we first named that to be like, we're not all hunky dory. Let's work, bust our ass all the time. Sometimes we're like, oh, I, I need to, I, I don't really want to right now. I want to take a nap and like watch a show or go for a walk, but I have to sit here and do these tasks. And it's not a frog. It's just like normal day-to-day tasks. Um, what kind of things do you feel like contribute to lack of motivation or not wanting to do the work? I think the biggest one for me, which I've been on a kick, a learning kick recently. And so you've heard me mention it here before is, uh, just kind of as someone who menstruates going through the four week cycle and knowing that my motivation, energy levels, desire to do things, how, what things I should be working on, like all of those are changing and I've gotten pretty good insight, like personal insight into like when I know energy levels are going to be high versus low versus when it's better for me to kind of have my head in the clouds versus focus on like nitty gritty checking off tasks. Okay. Can you give us a 30 second rundown of woo that again? Because I know I love to hear things multiple times and I could not recite off different stages of the cycle and different energy levels right now. So go. Yes. Okay. So you have starting with your menstrual cycle, which is when you were on your period. And that is when you are like lower energy, obviously because you're bleeding consistently for a while, usually a good time to rest and great to give ourselves some rest. And then you move into the luteal phase. Nope. That's not right. Then you move into the follicular phase And this is when you have more energy, you uh, can think like big picture, dream big and things like that. Then you have ovulation, which is when you're releasing the egg. And this is like badass energy. Like you feel unstoppable. You're confident. This is when you should be making decisions in your business. And then you go into luteal phase, which is when your body is like mentally preparing for it to have a period again. Um, and so usually a little bit lower energy. And so the way the, my favorite way to think of it is like menstruation is like winter follicular is like spring ovulation is like summer and luteal is like fall. If you're going to kind of relate it to like the feelings of the seasons. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Okay. Learned all of that from TikTok. (laughs) Shout out to TikTok for educating us. (laughs) on our bodies. Shame that we didn't actually learn that in school, but here we are. Here we are. What about you? What things do you feel like contribute to like the times that you don't feel super motivated to work? Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely relate to what you say about energy levels and I feel definitely relate to menstrual cycle stuff. And I also think about um, being neurodivergent and having different brain capacities at different times in the day. That's something I've really had to learn about myself. Um, I know that getting shit done, my peak time to do that is between nine and two. Um, otherwise I'm useless. (laughs) So as far as if I need to do nitty gritty work, if I need to eat my frog, whatever, I need to eat it between nine and two or do like really focused work in that time. I've had to really challenge that with grad school because a lot of the time I have to do that in the evening because the days are just too busy. And so that's when I rely on other tactics, which we'll talk about later. But just knowing that about myself, knowing in the day-to-day when I tend to have different energy levels, I try to honor that. So my ideal schedule, as we've talked about, would be working from between nine and three and taking an hour break. I think that is a beautiful chef's kiss situation. So going to keep working towards that. Um, but one piece that I think about if that contributes to lack of motivation or not wanting to work is just feeling so fucking overwhelmed, which is probably the number one thing that I experience that impacts me just wanting to throw in the towel and be like, I don't want to do any of this. And mm-hmm. you and I talked about before we hit record the difference between overwhelm and overstimulate. And I, I want to hear your thoughts because you kind of explained it beautifully. Yeah. So, cause I think overwhelm, like it's overwhelms it, for me, feels like a kind of like a catch-all term um, of like, oh, I feel overwhelmed. Oh, I feel overwhelmed. And I catch myself saying that a lot. And so kind of what 
I was thinking of was like, there are times where I feel overstimulated by external sources. So maybe that's like, there's a bunch of people around me that are needing things from me, or I'm receiving a lot of text messages, or I'm getting a random call in the middle of the day. And that just kind of like throw me off and like pull me out of my focus. But then I think there's also internal an internal side of that overwhelm too, which I call like analysis paralysis of knowing everything that I need to do, like staring at my Asana, staring at my to-do list and being like, there's so much on here that I just don't know where to even start. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what to tackle first. And so I think both of those things contribute to being overwhelmed, but in very different ways. I totally agree with that. And when you're speaking to trying to sit down and do your work, when you're already maybe feeling, maybe you're in the fall or winter phase of your cycle and you're sitting down and you're like, I don't want to do anything. And then maybe you're trying to work at a coffee shop and you look around and there's so much going on and people are loud next to you. And then you're also like, fuck, I have to do this later, but shit. Now I only have to have, I have 45 minutes to work on something. You look at your, like, it's all interconnected. You look at your Asana and you're like, what the fuck can I do in 45 minutes? And then you scroll on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. The cycle. It's the cycle. But I think too, like whenever my initial thought is like, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed. It feels helpful to differentiate like, okay, like where is that overwhelm coming from? And like, what do I have control over and what do I not have control over? And the things that I don't have control over, is there a way I can set a boundary around it? Mm, Can you give us an example recently? Uh, yes, I sure can. I'm in a couple different, a couple different group chats and I love them to death and I would never leave those group chats. But when they start going off in the middle of the day, when I'm trying to like have a focused work session, I put my phone and my laptop on do not disturb and put my phone across the room. And I make sure that anything I'm working on on my laptop is in full screen. So I don't see the little messages thing down at the bottom with the number that just keeps going up. Mm-hmm. That's a good boundary. So, overstimulated by so many text messages or so many Slack messages or things like that. When I'm not focused on that project right now, uh, yeah. Getting to like pause notifications, turn notifications off and be like, I will, I have an hour to deal with that project later. I will look at all of that then. Okay. That's what I love about the accountability club and our power hours, because (laughs) we have people do that at the very start, we're like, tell us what you're working on. Are you eating your frog? I'm going to start using that term now. And turn off everything that could pull you away from what you're about to do, because we totally get it. And we have to do that in our day-to-day lives. Like I have so many texts I haven't responded to in weeks and I feel so bad, but the reality is I just can't, I'm overwhelmed. I can't deal with it right now. And for me, I don't want to half ask things. So I'd rather just avoid and get to it whenever I have a little bit more space, Mm -hmm. because right now my space is taken up by my business and school. So Yes. Love that. That's a great example. And I'm sure we have all been there because you have to do that in order to even deal with the analysis paralysis of looking at your Asana to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm hyper-focused on this thing. Now, what are the two to three things I want to do today? Where's my frog, whatever. Um, and I mean, all of that to say kind of ties in busyness, right? Um, when sometimes when I'm feeling like not working, it's usually there's so much going on. Like This week, I'm glad to have a little bit of structure of knowing what needs to get done before my trip because it is really busy. Like we have people coming to town to visit who are going to watch our dogs before the trips. So it's like, not only am I busy in my working in school, but we also have plans this weekend to take them around Denver and have a lot of fun. And then we leave for our trip. So it's just like, boom, 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 boom. So busy. And what I really want to do is just burn everything down and go play in the city. Yep. (laughs) Sounds so fun. It sounds like my day to day with like being around everyone else who's on holiday and I'm having to work and I'm like, well, I don't want to work. I want to go be on a holiday too. Like, I don't, I'm not motivated to work because other people around me are having fun and I have FOMO. Yep. Yep. FOMO is a real motivation killer. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, being busy. Absolutely. And I think like, I've noticed this pattern of me where like, if there's like a little bit of like a lull in uh, social activities in my life, I like kind of go into a little bit of a panic. And I was like, oh my God, I have to get social things on my calendar next week. And then like I do and the next week rolls around. And, and then I'm like, 
oh my God, why did I do this to myself? Why do I have so many things on my calendar? And it's a pretty vicious cycle. So many vicious cycles. (laughs) So many, all of them. It's just like all of these webs inter interconnecting. Yes. And I'm sure we're missing some other reasons why we don't want to work sometimes, but we still do. Um, But I want to hear what are your tactics and your tips for getting work done that you fucking have to, even if you don't technically have to, you know, you need to, um, what do you do to get that work done when you don't want to? I have a handful of things that I go to first and foremost. I remind myself that sometimes self-care is being the parent to myself. And that means Mm. actually having to sit down and get stuff done. I really like making lists in like three tasks. And so like writing three tasks, crossing those off, it's kind of like gamifying my to-do list um, or I'll <laughs> like compete. Yeah, literally. Or I'll compete against myself and be like, Hey Morgan, I bet you can't get that task done in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> That's so cute. I like it. Um, it works every now and then it, if I'm feeling really overstimulated, it won't work. But if I'm just feeling like kind of meh and lazy and a little tired, like that will usually kind of perk me up a bit. Um, changing my scenery is always helpful. Getting out of my apartment, going to a coffee shop, going to my co-working space, If it's later in the evening and my favorite coffee shops are closed and my co-working space is closed, I will go to Starbucks. (laughs) The one time I go to Starbucks home, theme of of the episode is going to Starbucks today, apparently. (laughs) I will go to Starbucks and I will get a marble hot chocolate because I don't want to have caffeine that late. For anyone wondering, a marble hot chocolate is half mocha, half white mocha. So it makes it just like a little more interesting of a hot chocolate. And that like drive to Starbucks, getting that usually venti ice water with it too. And going and taking that and sitting down at my desk usually helps reset me. I will put uh YouTube airplane noises, <laughs> like, like sitting, sitting on an airplane, like with like the hum <laughs> as you're sitting on my TV and have that playing on a low volume. Wait, um, is that so you can pretend you're on an airplane working on your laptop for novelty? That's when I work my best. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because even when I do that, I still put in headphones, like listen That's to music. Awesome. It just what? like recreates the time that I feel my best. Oh my God. I imagine you making like cardboard cutout windows, like you're on an airplane and I'm putting them intense. on your wall. <laughs> and it's not that intense. Looking out the window on your flight and getting a tray table. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, um, I'll be sure to link my airplane video so you can get a, get a glimpse of what it's like. It's so helpful. It's like brown noise in the background. That's incredible. Listen, brown noise is my shit. So mm-hmm. I love, I love listening to that. That's yep. what I sleep to. Yep. I totally get it. It's just very niche. It's funny. <laughs> it's very niche. I know. <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, I put everything on do not disturb. And then honestly, if none of that works and it's not like super late into the evening, I will ask a friend if they want to do a power hour, either in person or virtually. I love that. That's all a great great tips. And mine are very similar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) of course, can't even believe it. Well, one thing I use as a tool is, um, I have PRN ADHD medications that can help me. They're stimulants. Um, I really have not been using them to be honest because they make me angry and I don't feel like being angry and I have other tools in my toolbox. So they're kind of like a last resort, but I wanted to make sure just to mention that using ADHD meds, totally valid, Um, and can be a really helpful tool to kind of quiet the rest of your brain. I'm really trying to not use them right now, just for my own personal experience of not wanting to be mad. Um, another thing is changing my location, getting out of my condo. I really cannot work from home. Well, I can do meetings from home. And so when I'm business coaching on Wednesdays and Fridays, usually that's no problem. I'll sit on the floor by my couch. I'll sit on my couch and rotate between my table and that. Um, because if I'm in a meeting, it's kind of like body doubling one-on-one working and I'm really engaged and focused on my person. So that's no problem. Lack of motivation. I love the connection. I love talking shop easy to work from home, but if I'm trying to get stuff done, that's like nitty gritty work. Um, no, cannot be at home. So go to a coffee shop today. I walk to the office cause I need to get some stuff done. Um, And then I love setting timers. We have some fun timers in my office. I forgot what exactly they're called, but they're a visual timer that make a full circle. So you turn it and then it's like a dark colored circle. And as the time runs out, it's, it makes the circle like less of a pie and more of like 
you know, it disappears. So that's kind yeah. of a fun way to have a visual without having to be like, how much time do I have left? 15 minutes. Like you can see the time quote unquote disappearing in shape form. Um, so we can link that in the show notes as well. Cause those timers are great. I, we have one in every single office cause my team likes them for, um, client sessions as well. And it kind of goes back to how much can I get done in an hour? How much can I get done in 30 minutes? Like you can set it to any of those times. I also like to gather data over time. And so I'm often doing reflecting to help with this. Um, part of it is proactively working to try not to put too much onto my plate, knowing my capacities. And again, that changes day to day. It changes in the cycle, but I've learned over the years from being a little bit too gritty at times, like where my actual boundary is. And so I have more understanding of what's actually realistic to get done. So this is an opposite example. Last night I went to the coffee shop and it was for a couple hours and I was like, awesome. I'm going to finish these two article literature reviews. I'm going to work on my Spanish and I'm going to reach out to people to interview for my project. Guess Mm -hmm. what? I didn't even finish my two fucking articles. And so that was a reminder of like, oh, I am still learning like what I'm capable of. That was like trying to do way too much in two hours. And it was the end of the day. It was like 8 p.m. and I was way tired. So that is more information for me next time of like, you know what? If I'm going to the coffee shop for two hours, I'm probably going to finish one assignment. And I also, it goes back to not committing to things. Again, these are some proactive things. It's not necessarily in the moment helping me deal if I'm not motivated, but trying to do as much work on the front end as possible, just from what I learned about myself over time, which will continue to change. Um, So for example, if someone needs something from me and let's say I did a 30 minute um, coaching call with someone who is trying to decide if they want to book. I'm no longer trying to book them the next week. I'm now booking them out because I know I already have what I already have on my calendar, plus other tasks that are going to come up that need to get done. I am trying to not overwhelm myself to not get into this mode where I don't want to. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And like you kind of spoke to with parenting yourself, I coach myself in a way it's not, I say coaching versus parenting. Cause in my personal life, I feel like I nurture myself, you know, about like my feelings and things, but whenever it's, I need to get into work mode and get stuff done. I, not that there's no nurture there, but it's more coaching, inspire, get riled up and go. And so that's why I use that word specifically of like, okay, Hannah, you fucking got this one hour. What can you get done? Come on, let's go. And then the last thing I like to do is give myself a little treat. (laughs) So whether that means I go to a coffee shop and get my favorite scone, or I, last night I went to a coffee shop that is open late. One of the only ones that's kind of in my neighborhood, their coffee is total shit. And I'm not having coffee at night anyway, because I'm not trying to rage until the hours in the morning. (laughs) And so, but I always get an Arnold Palmer made with green tea and lemonade, which I know has a little bit of caffeine, but I get a lot of lemonade in it. So it's fine. And then I get a chocolate chip cookie and they're homemade and they're so good. So that's like my little treat to get me through my grad school evening working session. Love that. Mm -hmm. All great things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also safe to say that like, it's taken me a while to figure out what has worked for me. And like majority of these things, like were not the things that would help me get through like studying in college or anything like that. I think there's just something different about like running your own business or being in charge of your own projects that just like, they just feel way different because you don't have anyone else. Like you don't have a professor that's telling you what you need to do. You don't have, I do. (laughs) Okay. For grad school. Yeah. But like for your business. Yeah. Don't like you're the one calling the shots. And so basically like if you're not doing it or delegating it, like it's not going to get done. Like you're the one who's having to make those calls. And so, which makes things even more not to use like the word overwhelming again, but like makes things even more overwhelming because you're like, shit, like I literally have to be the one to call the shots and then like do the thing. Yep. Yep. And It's actually what I'm learning through my research of leadership and burnout and things. It's called like empowering coaching when you do that for somebody else. So you're empowering them to be autonomous and do their work. And so that's kind of like my model that I use for business coaching. And that's why I think coaching and mentorship can be great for the 
business owner who is working by themselves and has to do that themselves most of the time through these tools, then that can give you the little bit of an extra edge of like, oh, no, now I do have an outside person holding me accountable. And even though they're not my boss, they're still empowering me and giving me accountability to get this shit done. Accountability club. Join us in Q3. (laughs) So part of this too, is that like, as we've mentioned, there are just times where we're not going to want to do things. Things are impacting us. We might be able to add in a few things to like try to hype ourselves up to do them. But there are also times that like, we're just going to have to have a little bit of grit. And I know that you are very passionate about grit. Grit's my favorite word. (laughs) (laughs) I think it encompasses so much. And if, you know, people always want to ask the sexy question of like, what is the number one thing that's made you successful? Just thinking about celebrity interviews, entrepreneurs, people in the business space. And if somebody asks me that question, I'm always going to say grit. And there's actually a really good book about grit written by Angela Duckworth and definitely recommend checking out. We'll link it in the show notes. And anytime I'm feeling like, come on, Hannah, coaching myself or anytime I'm thinking about how things possibly get done, I just think grit, like lean into grit. You got this, use grit. And so I found it actually hard to kind of define grit myself. And I really liked Angela Duckworth's definition. So I'm going to read it on the pod. Ready? Do it. Ready. Okay. Grit is a passion and a perseverance for long-term goals. One way to think about grit is to consider what grit is not. Grit is not talent. Grit isn't luck. Grit isn't how intensely for the moment you want something. Instead, grit is about having what some research call an ultimate concern, a goal you care about so much that it organizes and gives meaning to almost everything you do. And grit is holding steadfast to that goal, even when you fall down, even when you screw up, even when progress towards that goal is halting or slow. Talent and luck matter to success, but talent and luck are no guarantee of grit. And in the very long run, I think grit may matter at least as much, if not more. Dang. Grit is the thing you got to eat for breakfast to keep going when things are hard. Like I love the term ultimate concern. It's like Mm -hmm. a stirring for me. Yeah. Cause I mean, I can like hearing that. Cause when I first think of grit, I'm like, Ooh, like, I don't want to like, I, I have kind of always associated grit with like toxic hustle culture. Like, yeah, you got to have grit. So Mm. like hearing this definition of like a goal you care about so much that it organizes and gives meaning to almost everything you do, like that feels way more manageable and also like nicer. Yeah. Like, and not just like, like, oh, that sounds so nice, but like more compassionate. Mm. Hmm. I envision it more like in, in our space for folks in private practice, taking insurance, you're on the fucking ground. You're in a pile of insurance denials, your bank accounts low, you know, the money's coming. Um, you interviewed someone and they rejected your offer because you can't pay them enough. And you're just thinking like, what's the fucking point? This is so overwhelming. This sucks. And then you still have that stirring. That's like, no, like I, this is something that needs to happen. And I really want, and I care about, and I know with the right people is going to work. And I know insurance is going to pay me and you get yourself up and you dust yourself off and you start dealing with shit. Like Mm -hmm. that's grit to me. Hustle would be like, I'm going to work all day and night to make this happen. And I don't give a fuck who it hurts or if it hurts me, or I'm just going to keep going and run myself into the ground. Hearing this definition of grit makes me think it's quite the opposite of Mm -hmm. hustling. Mm -hmm. I think where my brain has a bunch of tug of war with this of is like, we work in a space where it's all about like honoring what our body needs while at the same time we are business owners. We do have to have that grit and persevere a bit. What do you think is the balance of that? Like, is there a point that you can only like persevere so long and it like overrides what your body's trying to tell you? Mm. 
See, I think that's where it's still the misunderstanding of perseverance versus hustling. I think hustling, yes. I think perseverance is a flow. I think perseverance is, all right, we're going to keep going and we know we need to rest right now, but we're going to keep going after this rest, right? It's, it's in flow with honoring what your body needs and what you need. And I would argue we need things to be gritty about in our lives or else we're just living a passive life. So are you saying that when it comes to grit of like, there are things that, you know, you need to do and you're just going to stay up really late and do them and know that you're not going to get enough sleep that night. Like you're actively choosing grit over honoring what your body needs that moment, knowing that. And I think the difference is, is then like, if that's the choice that you make, then what comes after that is knowing you're going to not work as hard the next day. Yes. That you're going to catch up and sleep the next day and you're going to go to bed extra early and you're making a plan to take care of yourself after that perseverance. Have you ever gotten into a situation and this is maybe a little more like related to like hustle. Have you ever gotten into a situation where you're like, Hey, I really just need to stay up and get this done and like kind of have this perseverance to finish this project. And then you're like, and I'm going to, you know, stay up a little later than normal. And then I'll just get some sleep tomorrow. But then like that pattern has happened multiple days in a row. Like, no, almost- I think I would just keel over and have to sleep at that point. Never has it been that bad for me. It was, I was like that in college, mm. um, like studying wise. And I think, you know, I always managed to catch up on sleep, but I think there was also like some like dipping the toe in like a little too much hustle. Mm-hmm. Like when did they say on TikTok? Uh, girl boss a little too close to the sun. <laughs> to, like make shit happen. And then I'm like, wait, this isn't sustainable. I can't do this forever. And then having to like pull it back yeah. to, to grit. I, I really, this is like my own introspective question. I want to know where I learned the correlation or my perceived correlation between grit and hustle. Mm -hmm. I don't know where Mm -hmm. that came from. I'm curious if anyone else also has that same correlation and if they're also going to be joining me in this unlearning and relearning of grit. 1000%. I think they're super interconnected and I'm, I'm just unpacking this as we're talking too, but grit allows you to ride the storm. I feel like hustle creates the storm. Hmm. That's good. I think we should just end it there. (laughs) So that is our take on eating the damn frog, working when you don't want to and leaning into grit, something that both of us think is not talked about enough in the world of entrepreneurship, specifically in the mental health sector. So we hope you took something away from this. We hope that you have a game plan for what to do when you need a little bit of extra motivation. And we uh, hope that you can lean into this incredible definition of grit. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.